Welcome to Brush Up. Brush Up, your weekly refresher on iconic historical events, fun facts, and much more. Stay tuned. I'm Roberto. I'm Judy. I'm from Quito, Ecuador. I'm an American from France. We're both history enthusiasts. And today, we've whipped up some of our favorite facts about the American Revolution. Here is your Brush Up. To start, we'll explain Great Britain's strained relationship with the colonies. Then we're going to discuss the war that broke out between the British and the revolutionaries. And finally, we'll talk about how the French got involved and this led to the American independence. Let's start by giving a little bit of background of what was going on in 1760s. So at the time, King George III was the monarch of Great Britain and he was trying to make up for expenses that had occurred during the war. Mainly, the war between Great Britain and France, also known as the Seven Year War. This happened actually in the American continent between 1754 and 1763. At the time, both the French and the British established colonies in the New World, and the colonies extended from Maine to Georgia. However, the British eventually took over the French colonies and won the war. So King George imposed the Stamp Act of 1765 to try and make up for some of those expenses. It was the first time that taxes were set on the colonies. There was a lot of opposition because the colonies were not represented in the British Parliament, so they didn't understand why they would have to pay such tax. Because of this, a group called the Sons of Liberty is established. They were a group of colony provocateurs who used threats and violence to try and upset the British crown. To counter the revolts, the British crown decided to start the Declaration Act of 1766. This act stated that colonies and its plantations in America have been our end of right ought to be subordinate unto and dependent upon the imperial crown and parliament. The next year, a new duty, basically a tax, will be imposed on essential goods, including tea, through the Townshed Revenue Act. But tensions were still rising in the colonies, and so the British decided to occupy Boston with troops the year after that. It is in the 1770s that the Boston Massacre occurred. One day, colonists started surrounding some of the British soldiers that were guarding the Boston Custom House, and they started throwing debris at them, basically provoking them. This will end up with British soldiers firing shots and killing five men and injuring six others. This really helped to fuel the anti-British sentiment, but a fun fact is that these British soldiers still had a trial and were actually represented by John Adams. John Adams is one of the founding fathers and the second U.S. president. Although he was a revolutionary and anti-British, he still wanted these people to have a fair trial, mostly to avoid getting more restrictions or sanctions from the British. Later on, the British will start to monopolize some businesses, like tea, since the colonists needed to import those goods from Great Britain. So the British passed the famous Tea Act, which established a new tax on tea to help support the British East India Company. That same year, in 1773, seven ships were sent to America with tea. However, only three will made it to Boston. For three weeks, the town discussed what to do with these boats because they didn't want to pay that tax. And James Otis Jr., who was an American lawyer, political activist, and legislator in Boston, is famous for saying, taxation without representation is tyranny. And this view became the main stance of the revolutionaries at the time, and it's actually still DC's unofficial motto. In the end, the Sons of Liberty, disguised as Indians, threw 340 tea chests overboard. And this event is known today as the Boston Tea Party. 
This loss will bring the British to impose the Coercive Acts, also known as the Intolerable Acts, which were mainly four acts. First, the Boston Port Act, which closed the Boston Harbor until restitutions were paid, the full value of the tea. Then, the Massachusetts Government Act. This act limited colonial power and reinstated royal governance. For example, the elected officials would no longer be chosen by the colonists. Moreover, the act also prohibited town meetings without approval. Then there was the Administration of Justice Act, where British officials were allowed to have trials in England or different colonies, so it kind of protected them. And finally, the Quartering Act. British troops were to be housed in American homes. So the response from the colonies was mixed, but there were many negative responses. Americans had a unique opportunity to kind of create a government where people could be free and rule for themselves. The division in the colonies led the revolutionaries to control the countryside and the British to control Boston. General Thomas Gage was the British royal governor who was in charge of the colonies at the time, although he was not recognized by the colony leaders themselves. For example, Paul Revere, John Hancock, and Samuel Adams. They decided to start the Massachusetts Provincial Congress that was set up by the colonies as a provisional government. And at the time, John Hancock was the presiding chairman. In 1774, the First Continental Congress came together in Philadelphia. Twelve of the colonies actually came together because Georgia wanted British support in their fights against Native Americans. The Congress established that neither the Crown nor the British Parliament had control of internal American affairs. So soon after, the British declared that Massachusetts was in a state of rebellion. They not only ordered Americans to be disarmed, but also the capture of American leadership, Samuel Adams and John Hancock. So this is when the war breaks out. The British were poised to take control over the colonists. So once the revolutionaries knew that the British were coming, they escaped to Lexington and Concord. Paul Revere and William Dawes were famously positioned to alert the colonies of any British attack. They were to use the Old North Church signal, so they would ring the bell once if the attack was by land and twice if it was by sea. The famous quote, the British are coming, the British are coming. It's attributed to Paul Revere. However, he probably never said this because he needed to be quiet while giving these signals. In the night of April 18th to April 19th, 1775, the British started moving towards Lexington and Concord to go seize the colony's ammunition. The British were not expecting to be faced with the Minutemen, civilians and farmers from the colonies ready to fight at any moment. So neither of them apparently intended to use force, but a shot was fired. And this is later described by Ralph Waldo Emerson in a poem as the shot heard round the world. And to this day, it's still debated who actually fired that first shot. Unfortunately, the British will outnumber the Minutemen in Lexington. So after winning that small fight, they advanced to Concord. But when they advanced to Concord, they were actually outnumbered by the Minutemen. So the colonists won this first battle, and it was officially the beginning of the war between the British and the revolutionaries. Americans start to realize that they have to join forces to defeat the British. And that's why in May 1775, they called the Second Continental Congress to ally forces and create a Continental Army. Side note, Georgia still wasn't there. So two months after the war broke out, there was a famous battle on Bunker Hill, which is in Massachusetts. The British will advance on the colonists who had lack of ammunition and ended up winning this war. Apparently, the soldiers were famously told, don't shoot until you see the white of their eyes, because the colonists were really short on ammunition. 
A less known fact is that the battle actually took place on a second hill nearby called Breed's Hill, but it just ended up being known as the Battle of Bunker Hill. The unification of forces from the Americans led George Washington to become the first leader of the Continental Army. So the colonists brought cannons overlooking the city of Boston and it became impenetrable to the British. So the British started moving north towards Canada. At the same time, Washington decided to move his troops to New York where there was an important British naval base. So we're still in 1775. And after capturing an important British fort, Fort Ticonderoga, that had a lot of weapons and was British, the Continental Army started moving north to try and capture Quebec. This movement represented a major loss and a grand decision for the colonists, because they were met by the British and French Canadian forces. A fun side fact is that Benedict Arnold was one of the two colonels to lead the Quebec attack. He was an early American hero, but he was unhappy with the lack of recognition he received throughout all the wars he led. In 1779, he entered into secret negotiation with the British. Eventually, this plot will be found out and he will be declared as a traitor. Today, he's considered one of the biggest traitors in American history. About a year after the beginning of the war, on June 7, 1776, Congress formally declared its independence from the British. Four days later, they drafted the Declaration of Independence. But you might ask, why do we celebrate the 4th of July? Well, that's the day that John Hancock, the president of the assembly, signed the Declaration of Independence. The declaration stated that the 13 colonies were no longer a part of the British Empire. They will be known as the United States of America. So at this point, the wars really concentrated in the North. The British, led by General Howe, start moving towards New York late in the summer of 1776. This was a very low point for the Americans. There were five consecutive defeats for General Washington's army. So the British eventually captured New York City and forced the colonists to retreat to New Jersey. At the same time, Congress, that was established in Philadelphia, fled because of fears that the British forces could move closer. Many Americans were captured during this New York raid and they were considered traitors by the British and kept as prisoners on boats. A fact most of you might not know is that the number of men that died from diseases and hunger in prisons at the time was actually higher than the total casualties during the whole war. That's pretty crazy to think about. So after this huge sequence of defeats on Christmas of 1776, so later that same year, General Washington led men across the Delaware River and conducted a surprise attack on British mercenaries in Trenton, New Jersey. What would have been a happy Christmas Eve became the Battle of Trenton. And this was a huge victory for Americans because it really served to boost their morales after the defeats and help them get through the rest of the war. About six months later, in 1777, Congress decides on its new flag. That's the flag you've probably seen that has the same number of stripes, but has the 13 stars in a circle. The British keep winning battles and capturing forts. In 1777, they recapture Fort Ticonderoga. They also advanced north and occupied another strategic fort on the Hudson River, and British troops kept marching towards Saratoga in upper state New York. The Americans had built good defenses in Saratoga, and this will help them win the Battle of Saratoga. And this is a pivotal battle because this will encourage France to join the colonies in fighting against the British. The war overall in that particular winter was very harsh for Washington's troops. There was starvation, disease, and morale was very low, so the intervention of France really boosted people's morales. 
Now, we enter the moment all of you were waiting. The time when the US wins the war and France joins them. So during these first years of the war, the Continental Congress had been busy with international diplomacy and they had actually drafted a model treaty to try and convince some foreign nations to ally with them. The colonists sent representatives to negotiate. And finally, in 1778, France signed a formal Treaty of Alliance, negotiated by Benjamin Franklin to give financial and military support to the colonists. And France formally recognized America's independence. Due to these alliances, the British start getting scared. One proof of that is the Carlisle Commission. This was a group of negotiators who wanted to offer American self-rule within the empire. So they offered to repeal the Tea Act, the Massachusetts Government Act, in exchange for the Americans kind of dropping their independence and staying part of Great Britain. The colonists heard the proposition, but ended up not accepting it. So to try and gain back some control, the British started intensifying their efforts in the South. They saw an opportunity in the South because it was more divided about American independence. They had more loyalist support. So the British tried to use the South's political, economic, and racial divisions to their advantage. Crazy enough, South Carolina, a colony from the South, accounted for one-fifth of the battlefield deaths and one-third of the battlefield wounds of the whole war. This shows how intense the division was down there. So the British captured Savannah, Georgia, in 1778 and quickly after captured Charleston, South Carolina. Starting mid-1780, General Charles Cornwallis was the British general in charge of the South. On the other hand, the colonists weren't really organized. They mostly led fights thanks to rebel militia and other people who joined in battle. This is a very bloody period of the war, and this is the time when another big British victory will happen in the Battle of Camden in 1780. However, later that same year, the Americans finally had a much-needed victory during the Battle of Kings Mountain. This represented a huge defeat for Cornwallis because he lost one-third of his army. So he ended up moving to the north. During this battle and most of the war, Americans didn't follow standard battle procedures. They used guerrilla warfare to surprise the British. The battle that ended the war was the famous Siege of Yorktown. In 1780, 5,500 French soldiers had landed in Rhode Island under Comte Rochambeau. Him and Washington planned an attack on New York to fall on the same day another French fleet will be arriving to New York. But that French fleet was diverted towards Chesapeake Bay in Virginia instead. So Rochambeau and Washington decided that they would attack there while still pretending to follow their initial plan. They actually built fortifications and wrote fake documents to make the British believe this strategic lie. So Lafayette, a French officer under Rochambeau, chased the British commander, Charles Cornwallis, across Virginia, cornering him in Yorktown. At the same time, the French officer, Comte de Grasse, defeated the British Navy in the Battle of Chesapeake, so the British Navy wouldn't be able to come to Cornwallis' rescue. Weeks later, combined French and American forces surrounded Cornwallis and began the Siege of Yorktown. In October 1781, Cornwallis will end up surrendering. On September 3rd, 1783, so almost two years later, the Americans and the British signed the Treaty of Paris to formally end this revolutionary war. After all these events, in 1787, the Constitution of the U.S. is greeting. In 1789, Washington was elected as the first U.S. president, and he decided that the country's capital should be somewhere halfway down the 13 colonies, and it would become Washington, D.C. 
So to wrap up our brush up, first, the British had a very strained relationship with the colonists because the crown tried to impose taxes. They eventually brought British military forces to the colonists to try and control them after they started their own congress. The war then breaks out in the Battle of Lexington and Concord, where the shot that was heard around the world is fired. Fights erupt around the north, the British control Canada and eventually New York, and the colonists create the Continental Army led by Washington. Eventually, they declare independence and win the Battle of Saratoga, which allows them to form new crucial alliances. Finally, the French recognize the American independence and start aiding the colonists. The British try to regain control in the south. Through an elaborate plot, Washington and Hochambeau trap British General Cornwallis in Yorktown, eventually forcing him to surrender. They then start peace negotiations and the war formally ends in 1783 with the sign of the Treaty of Paris. That's all we've got for today. We hope you enjoyed this history brush up we started this podcast to make history more fun and accessible. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing and give us a positive rating. We'll catch you in the next episode. In the meantime, share your new knowledge with some friends. Or even better, share this podcast with them. We love the support.